here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Welcome, everyone. I'm Angelina Carlton, the hostess of the Design Your Legacy podcast, where I look to distill the best practices, positive examples in action, and the best ideas to inspire you. As today's affluent are two-thirds self-made, I hope to invite a variety of guests from many walks of life and income levels to bring you their insights and experiences. These guests range from family office professionals, Hollywood directors, to those in Generation Z, as they each contribute their thought leadership to this subject of legacy. I hope to provide interesting guests who challenge your beliefs with their strong bias towards optimism and how you too can value your life, time, and personal legacy. This morning, I have the the pleasure of introducing Gordon Firemark, who has practiced media, entertainment, and business law in solo practice since 1992. In podcasting circles, he is known as the podcast lawyer, and is the producer and host of the Entertainment Law Update podcast since 2009. He's also the author of the podcast blog and new media producer's Legal Survival Guide. His undergraduate degree in radio, television, and film, as well as experience in live theater production, informs his thinking about all things legal. In addition to his busy law practice, he teaches entertainment law at Columbia College Hollywood, intellectual property and media law at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, as well as contract law at Pepperdine Law School. Welcome, Gordon. Wow, Angelina, thank you. That introduction could take up the whole time of the episode, <laughs> but thank you for doing that. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. And I thought that this was a, a very good topic to bring forward to the listeners and viewers, because like I mentioned before, I started podcasting a year ago and I didn't know all of the nuances. And I think that some of these distinctions are, are very important because if somebody chooses uh, when it comes to podcasting or another form of uh, what I call intellectual property, and they don't know something, not only could they find themselves with a headache, but you know, they could be blindsided by something that they don't even need to deal with. So I call this kind of like, um, you know, uh, preventive maintenance. Well, that is exactly why I do what I do. I, my, I value the multitude of voices. It's important to me that we have conversation about the issues, the, the controversies, the things that are important in life and society and whatever. And I think that everybody should be, ha should have an opportunity to share their message, their ideas and have their impact, whether we agree with what they're saying or not, everybody should have that opportunity. And oftentimes people come into in particular podcasting because it's a very low barrier to entry. It's very easy to start a podcast without any background or knowledge or understanding of what goes into media production and media 
development and distribution. And that's where they start to run into these problems of no, no training as a journalist, no background or experience as a producer. And then they encounter these intellectual property and contract and, and privacy and defamation and all the kinds of things that we as lawyers, of course, have to think about every day. Right, so I'm right. here to educate and share and, and get people the information they need to be safe while they're doing stuff. Delightful. Yes. And, and I realize when podcasting gets good and people start to tune in, it can bring naysayers and, and a whole host of uh, diverse opinions. And, to, and in today's divisive society, somebody has to kind of be prepared. OK, so let me go to the first question, if you're mm -hmm. ready. OK, so as creative expression may be a part of an individual's holistic legacy plan, what are the most important things that they, whether they're an online entrepreneur, a live streamer, a creative person, uh, what should they do to protect themselves and get positioned for success? Well, first off, I say they should have the mindset that they're already in the place of success. You know, in, in sales, they talk about assume the sale, that the transaction is going to happen. In life, we should assume that we are achieving the things we set out to achieve. And in fact, put ourselves in the position of already having done so. You know, there, we, a lot of us are, when I have this thing or this much money or this whatever, then I'll do this stuff that I need to do to be that person. That's backwards. Be the person, do the things, and you'll have the things, that the trappings, right? So that, that's, that's my sort of philosophy about that. So the, the mindset is number one. After that, planning and, and then doing the things that professionals, experts, you know, people do. And to my way of thinking, that means having a structure to whatever you're doing. If it's a business or, or an enterprise, I talk to podcasters a lot. So I think they should have a business legal structure, like a corporation or an LLC or something that helps manage the relationships among the creators and founders of the thing. And then there's the team structure as well. So you've got to have a legit business structure, legit team, and then you need to know about this intellectual property and the, the other sort of legal aspects of content that I alluded to. And finally, you have to know who your customers are, what your clients are after, and, and how the structure, the relationships there, so you can sell and yes. make money or whatever you're trying to do. Yes. So I, I want to just highlight something you said that I thought was very important, which is we, we can think of, um, you know, this the success mm -hmm. as being really far away. And you had spoke about assuming the sale, assume yeah. the optimistic win, right? Oh. And so I just want to highlight for a moment, we can think of a legacy being, being far away and yet it's important to start today. So whether somebody is, like I mentioned to you before, under age 40, which many of the mm -hmm. listeners of this podcast are, or over age 40, and they've just come into retirement and they are finally planting the seeds and starting the actions of their legacy, that they start with that optimistic mindset as you mentioned. Optimistic mindset, absolutely. But also living today the way people who have the kind of legacy you desire to leave yeah. live. And that may mean some austerity sometimes. It may be, you know, living affluent, making smart investments, of course. Don't, don't wait to start. Get it done now. Be that person from the beginning and you'll arrive at the end with more than you could have hoped. Yes. Yes. Very good. Very good. All right. So let's go to the dark stuff of the mistakes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, the okay. mistakes that I see are, you know, sort of those, those four pillars that I mentioned, not structuring things, whether it's, as I said, a business, an enterprise, whatever it is, 
just going about it and you know throwing it against the wall, see what sticks. That's great when you're cooking spaghetti. It's not so great when you're trying to build a legacy, when you're trying to create something that you're going to leave to the next generation and the next, whatever that might be, the business, the money, the, the, the impact. So having some structure for it, whether it's an LLC, a corporation, a trust, you know, those kinds of things. The other mistake that people make is, is being too keen to, uh, to en- engage in team, in teamwork, you know, partnering up with everybody who comes along. And then you have people fighting over ownership, fighting over control, fighting over revenue, fighting over, over stupid little stuff sometimes. So I think that what I, in the podcasting world, I refer to folks as you should have a podcast prenup. Some kind of clarity whenever you're getting into a new relationship with people who are going to be part of your team, there should be clarity of what that relationship is and what they get and what you get and what they don't get and, you know, those kinds of things. So that when all is said and done, your intent is brought to be reality. Right, right. Um you know, in the podcasting and, and all the media production space, they, another mistake that everybody makes is uh, using other people's stuff, intellectual property, you know, and podcasters love to think, well, this is just like radio. So I'm just going to play some songs and talk about them in between. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, before I mentioned uh, this morning that I, I didn't include music, but only because I didn't know how to, but I could think of so many podcasters who sample other people's music mm-hmm. and then they put creative commons or some type of, um, statement at the in their um youtube show notes and yeah what a huge surprise because it's it like you mentioned it's more than just asking the artist <laughs> yeah yeah and in, in fact often the artist doesn't even own or control the material that they've created because they were paid by a record company or a, and they have contracts with publishers and things so you really do have to understand a little bit about how intellectual property comes into being how it is owned and how it needs to be licensed when you want to use things. You, you need permission. Just like if I wanted to come and sleep on your couch, I would need permission. I can't just walk in the front door and lay there. <laughs> yeah. But I find it so fascinating how many um, individuals who upload music and content on even just YouTube as one platform will borrow other people's material and never think about it. And, and I guess a part of the, the equation is, will the other side do something? So YouTube in particular and Facebook and a number of the other sites, they have these algorithms that catch the stuff. And YouTube in particular has developed relationships with the, the large owners of lots of music that basically just says, when we catch this, do we have your permission to monetize it and give you, split the money with you and the creator of the, of the video or whatever. And so they're sort of happy to go along with that nowadays, but um, it's, it's only a limited catalog of music. Sometimes someone uses a piece of music in a video and the, the algorithm catches that it's there and then says to the owner, Hey, we're going to take it down or we're going to take the music, the soundtrack out. And a video without a soundtrack isn't something that most people say, stick around and, and watch through to the end. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- th- that's some of the consequences. Then if the actual copyright owner is unhappy about something, there are mechanisms especially here in the U.S., just to get it taken down very quickly. And we see, we, we, on my side of things, we see it happening fairly often. Most users who haven't ever experienced it never know that their favorite video or YouTuber or, or podcast episodes were taken down because 
it's just not there. Yeah. <laughs> they never, yeah. So, um, and then of course, lawsuits are the, the big guns when someone's really unhappy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's cover a few more of the nightmare stories. And then I want to get into the basics of like, what is a copyright yeah. for any of the viewers or listeners, but I just want to go again to the dark side for a moment so that if somebody gets blindsided, they can't say, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised. I didn't realize that that mm -hmm. could even happen. Like for instance, you mentioned a moment ago that there are algorithms and AI mm -hmm. uh, formulas out there that it's not even that the individual who made the content is up late at night looking at everyone else's video or doing keyword searches. There's technology these days. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other things that you've heard of from other podcasters or clients or just being in the industry? Cause I know you read a lot of like legal journals and so forth. Uh, well, uh, you know, I mean, the, the lawsuits are the, are the nightmare. You, nobody in their right mind other than lawyers wants to have lawsuits going on. So, um, but yeah, but there can be all kinds of things that give rise to those lawsuits. Another area in intellectual property that we often uh, aren't really thinking about is trademark law. And a trademark is a brand, you know, a, a, a name, a logo, a phrase that is used to identify the source of something, just like the brands that we used to sear into the hide of a cattle, you know, the, tell you which ranch that cow came from. That's a, a trademark. Well, choosing a title for your business, your show, your, your product line, whatever it is, is about choosing a brand that will be effective at communicating what you're all about and what you're doing, but you have to be very careful. So often, especially in the podcasting space, for some reason, people choose titles that are already in use and we'll have three or four or five um, different podcasts with basically the same or very similar titles. And, you know, there's two sides to this one, choose something distinctive. Don't choose something that's going to, you know, you don't want to be just another one of the, <laughs> the coffee podcasts. You want to be the podcast on the subject that you're talking about. Um, so choose carefully, but um, protect what you do. So if you do adopt a title and you're sort of first in line there with it, get the protection in place so that you have the right to stop those others from competing with you in that sort of unfair way. Yeah. I, I just wanted to share that um, there's actually another podcast called Design Your Legacy. Is that and, right? It, and I just learned about it in the past couple of days. And I was like, mm. wow, but she hasn't contacted me. I haven't contacted her. I'm not exactly sure, but like, uh, do we just go on? <laughs> oh, it, it may be possible and fine and perfectly comfortable to coexist in the marketplace that way. It may be right. as simple as both of you agreeing to add the with Angelina Carlton. Sure, sure. Or and, I, like that. and I'm not even sure that her and I have the same niche market regarding who yeah. we are targeting. But you know, the, the search engine, I should say the podcast oh, yeah, yeah. directories are essentially search engines. So if somebody searches for her and finds you and starts listening and then forgets about her, she's not going to be too happy about that and vice versa. <laughs> so, you know, my point of view, of course, as a lawyer who does these things is that it makes sense to get out ahead of these things as quickly as you can. Right. Because again, if you're relatively new to podcasting, changing the title is easier after five or 10 episodes than it is after 200. Right. Correct. Yes. So, Preventive maintenance and proactive yeah. actions. Yes. Okay. So, um, and I'm not sure if this would be legal advice or not, but how would one get a trademark? Well, you know, and getting what is a infringement? trademark. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. So getting a trademark is, uh, 
simple as adopting the brand and use it in interstate commerce, very much the way you you have with a title of your podcast or something like that. The um, the scope of protection for that can be fairly narrow. It can be limited geographically. It could be limited to um, uh, you know very specifically only what you're doing in your region. So it makes sense to register the trademark federally. And that's what the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It's part of the Department of Commerce, and it's an official government agency, and it operates at the speed you would expect from a government agency. Uh, but with that said, once that trademark registration is in place, it's a, a very powerful tool in the arsenal if somebody does come along and adopt something confusingly similar, because you can right off the bat say, hey, if you had done a simple search, you would have found this. So stop using that name right now you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, nine times out of 10 in these smaller spaces where, you know, we're not dealing with well, very well financed companies, they don't want to litigate these kinds of things. So then someone agrees to make a change or, or shift perspective on things and those kinds of things. So getting a trademark is comes from use and the registration, or I should say that registration is a, is a nation by nation thing. And when you're dealing with an international medium, it may become necessary to register in more than one country and those kinds of things. So it can become um, a journey <laughs> to do this, but uh, you know, starting here at home is, is always a good, a good way to go. Very nice. Very nice. And what is infringement and fair use? So infringement is the word we use to uh, reference unauthorized use of someone's intellectual property or, or, violation of someone's rights, I guess you could say. So in the trademark space, it's it's that adopting of a confusingly similar mark, trademark or service mark. In copyright, which, you know, copyright, it protects works of expression, the not the ideas themselves, but the way we write out those ideas or spell them out or record them or make a film or a sculpture, all those kinds of things are protected by copyright law. Using one of the rights that belongs to that copyright owner without permission is infringement. So making copies, making things that are derivative based upon the, the original, um, performing or displaying the, the original work without consent, all of those things can be infringement and distributing the copies as well, of course. So basically unauthorized copying is infringement. Yes. Uh, very good, very good. I just think about, um, for instance, if someone's legacy includes um, expressing themselves, not just with like a vision statement and so forth, but in today's knowledge economy, mm -hmm. it seems like more people are willing to hop online and, and a podcast could be a part of them sharing their knowledge. And so, yes, I think that these nuances are very important because nobody wants to uh, do a bunch of work or come across uh, a crossroads where, again, they're blindsided. Well, right. I mean, for example, you know, you and I sitting down to record this podcast, you as the creator and, and because of the agreement we have between us, you are the owner of this podcast episode. And I'm making my mark by contributing knowledge and information, but ultimately it's your legacy to, to leave this library of content yes. for the rest of the world to enjoy and experience and learn from. So that's a tremendous legacy and it has value. And it's important that we don't dismiss the value of that content. Yes. Um, one of the things that came up before um, was medium or the message, you know, is, and, and I think, uh, you know, you had talked about, I think like some other podcasters that got attacked for their message. Do, do you mm. want to cover that at all? I think it was in a prior conversation. 
Yeah, we, we can touch base on that. So the, the, the expression, the medium is the message is actually from uh, uh, a, a futurist, a technologist. I don't know how to describe him, but a fellow named Marshall McLuhan in the 1960s came up with this idea that the medium is the message. At the time he was talking about television and and film to that certain extent. Woody Allen adopted that philosophy about his works and things. Anyway, but recently, as you said, there have been a number of situations where the message has become such a touchstone issue that people get very excited and upset about that they've lashed out at the medium in response. So for example, when a, a, a very, the number one big podcaster who I'm not going to name uh, starts talking about uh, issues that relate to the pandemic that we've been going through. And I say the name or should I not? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's leave it out. Everybody okay. knows what we're talking about. Um, but, you know, there's been a bunch of musicians said, hey, take my stuff off of that platform because I don't like that you're carrying that podcast. And a bunch of other people have sort of reacted in the other way saying he's great and, and he should have his voice, which I agree with. I'm actually among the people who took my content off of that particular platform, just not as a protest, but just, I, I just don't want to do business with a company that isn't ready to be a little bit, exercise a little bit of oversight on these kinds of things. So, you know, and that again is my right as a copyright owner of my copyright, of my uh, podcast episodes. Um, I get to say where they go and where they don't go. And uh, that's how I preserve my legacy. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, very good. So let's cover naysayers just for a quick second, and then we'll move on to, to some more uh, questions. But let's say there is a, a naysayer that doesn't like somebody's opinion that's out there. I know you've mentioned before about uh, due diligence, uh, journalistic ethics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, cancel culture has become a thing, right? That's the naysayers basically yeah. trying to get our podcaster in question taken off of his yes. major platform. Right. Um, I, my personal belief system is that that is not an appropriate approach. Um, while I will exercise my right to take my stuff off, I'm not telling them they should take his off. Yeah. So I want to say something about that right now. So on one hand, it's very interesting because podcasting is such a human, um, it, it brings such a human element that mm -hmm. people then um, can see a person as like Gordon is more than an attorney. We get to see him speak. He becomes human. He drinks from his cup. You know, it's like, he's like me, you know, I like him. I trust him. I'm going to do business with him. Right. In in some ways, I, I think about the metaphor of like Jennifer Lopez um, and, and the story with her is when she had dated Ben Affleck back in the day, she the got attacked <laughs> right by the media, every tabloid cover and so forth. Pardon the phone. Okay. And yet, um, there were so many stereotypes and presumptions. Then she goes on American Idol and America and the rest of the world gets to see her as kind and funny. And it just did wonders for her career and so forth. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. Isn't that what podcasting is doing by making us less strangers to one another? Yeah, that's an interesting point of view. I think, I mean, you're right. I think it gives people a deeper understanding of the people that they're talking. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I've chosen to use podcasting as a marketing tool in my business, my law practice. Um, and, and I've made mistakes in how I've done that. But my, my feeling was, look, when people come in the door and don't know anything about me, especially with lawyers, people tend to be afraid, you know, of that experience of coming to a law office. It's in a, 
a high rise building. I just had a hassle getting here and the parking and everything else. And how many thousands of dollars is this going to cost me? That's that's the fear is there, right? And we lawyers can be, especially with a deep voice and, you know, we can be intimidating. But if I do my podcast where I and another lawyer joke around and talk about cases and things like that, and I have my website and I'm visible, people can see my smile and hopefully hear it in my voice, that diffuses some of that. It builds, it allows them to feel like they know and they like me and hopefully trust me. Right. And lawyers are humans too. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And no like, and trust is what drives every decision to purchase really or to hire. Yeah. And um, to decrease the fear factor. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you had said before, if, if lawyers are deemed to be intimidating, then they can hear kind of how you approach the subject, what it is, you know, how you respond on the spot. And then, um, yeah, then you get to be human. And that, that's where I'm pointing the flashlight in today's yeah. world of technology. I think humans still need community and knowledge. And, and what are your, what's your thought? Well, it's a double-edged sword because if you're a jerk, mm-hmm. people can see that too. Sometimes, yes. I mean, assuming that you're not really good at acting and faking. Yeah, yeah. If you're not like yeah. doing the great acting job. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're not a jerk and people can see. Uh, the, uh, my, the... my plan to keep you fooled is working. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Okay. Um, so speaking of legacies, I realize I'm putting you on the spot probably yeah. right here. But um, how do you define this word? Like I know, for instance, lawyers love definitions mm-hmm. and the etymology of this word um, has, uh, you know, it's history back to the 14th century and so mm-hmm. forth. But for you... You know, do you define it from a very humanistic standpoint or more from that legal Merriam Webster's? I think my definition of it is a more humanistic definition than a legal or even a business. Or, I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, a, a legacy, a legatee, a legator, a legacy is the thing that you leave your business that you leave for other people to finish after you're gone, in right. a sense. And I guess it fits that. You know, and, and sometimes that's the legacy is, is what, what happens with your estate, your money when you're done or your property. For me, a legacy is about leaving an impact, giving people information, education they can use, whether I'm here to help them with it or not. And so they can create their impact and that will have a cascading effect, get the messages out. And the most important impact and message that I think I can have is on my three children. And having, if I can leave good people behind who will do good works, service of whatever kind they choose and continue the idea of having an impact by touching other people with whatever it is, that's a, that's an important and powerful legacy. And whether I die rich or poor, if I have those kinds of people that I'm leaving behind and my students, I count among this as well. um, I, I think that is a kind of wealth that can't be replaced. Brilliant. Brilliant. So it's the idea of you more than just the tangibles. Yeah. Learn from me and follow my lead and take it to the next step. I guess you could say whatever that is for for each person, but um, being a good person is the most important part for my kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things we, uh, we also talked about before uh, we started recording is, you know, what I brought up this concept of positive role models because I think that in today's day and age, we mm-hmm. need more choices than just what might be immediately around us, especially with uh, the pandemic bringing a lot of tragedy, but also just more than the professional athletes and celebrities and so forth. I think that there's something about when the ordinary gets to become the extraordinary 
and it's, yeah, if you can create this and, and get to teach as a professor at three different schools and impart your character to your children, then I think that's also someone who, who maybe doesn't have a good father, for instance, it's just a, for example, could be, you know, on the sidelines looking and they go, okay, that's great. And I think, you know, one of the things that also happens with podcasts is, you know, especially if the individual can see it, is you get to model it, mm-hmm. which is much more powerful than, you know, talking the talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot again. So are there any guiding principles or values that well, you I th- honor with your legacy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, I mentioned at the very top of the show, the, the, my most important value is speech, sharing, communicating, getting messages out. Okay. Um, I think integrity is an important value and that is being true to myself, to my word and, um, and always adhering to the, to the, the values that is, you know, doing work that advances my mission of helping people get their message out. Yeah. And coming from that position of strength. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to touch upon one other legal thing and it is, um, the concept of opinion, you know, if opinion is protected speech mm-hmm. or does it hurt someone's reputation regarding slander and libel? And I just wanted you to talk about that for a moment, because I know in the pursuit of happiness and the constitution, you know, in the, yeah. that, uh, the, the amendment of, of free speech, where, what are some of the, you know, the, the landmines with that in yeah. addition to someone getting to voice, you know, their own unique view, let's say outside mm-hmm. of mainstream media. Well, you know, the law, excuse me, you know, the law is, it's full of these sort of inherent contradictions. The constitution says life, liberty, and happiness. And, and, uh, and it also says, you know, Congress should, well, it says we have a right to free speech. There's also a provision in the Congress that's in the, in the constitution that says Congress should make a law protecting authors and inventors so that it, the way it's been interpreted is so that others don't copy their stuff. Well, that's an inherent conflict with the First Amendment, right? Free speech Ooh. and don't copy. <laughs> so that's where the, the concept of fair use, which is a, def, a defense in copyright infringement claims, comes up. The judges over the course of the 20th century had to come up with a, an approach to reconciling this conflict. And they did this. It's a complicated sort of balancing test that, uh, that was set up. Well, the same is true with free speech and the law of defamation or libel and slander. Libel is the electronic, printed, published version, and slander is the spoken word, one-to-one kind of communication. And it's publishing a message that is false, that hurts a person's reputation in the, or standing in the community. And when we have, uh, again, it's a conflict. You can't, you can't tell lies about people, but what about free speech, right? So yeah. same, same kinds of conflicts. Now, opinion... The, the way we can address that is by saying, well, look, if, if I have an opinion about a person, I don't think that person is a very worthwhile person. I would never invest with that person or something like that. Yeah. That's my opinion. And I genuinely hold it. So it's true. Dot, dot, dot. But <laughs> now that person may be a perfectly legitimate, upstanding person, business person, but they've just rubbed me the wrong way. So I can express my opinion as long as I don't make it a fact that that person's a crook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so the uh, statements about people can you know, fall on this sort of spectrum. And as soon as you cross over that line to where it appears to be factual, that's where we run into trouble with, uh, with defamation. And, 
yeah, so, you know, opinions are, are as long as it's a genuinely held opinion. There's a funny case I'll just tell you about that goes back in my, my practice in theater law. I found this case where um, the uh, a, a theater director had put, launched a new play and this critic came and wrote a scathing review of the play. Well, it turns out that the critic is his brother-in-law and had never <laughs> even seen the play. He just wanted to take his brother-in-law down. So the lawsuit went forward over the defamation, the libel of this play and this, this playwright. And it came out that he hadn't seen the show and it wasn't a genuinely held opinion. It was motivated by something other than wanting to inform the, the public about the reality of things. The and intent. so it was, a, so even though he expressed it in the terms of opinion, because it wasn't really his opinion, it didn't, didn't count. <laughs> so he lost. Um, be careful. When yeah, you go. yeah. And, and I think it is also such a fine line if somebody says, uh, you know, it appears that, you know, Joe or Sally, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, 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 if they, if you, let's say you're an influencer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you could say, it appears that this particular sneaker or tennis shoe, dot, dot, dot. And then, yeah. you know, kind of like uh, Oprah and the, the beef so many decades ago. The pink slime story. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, go Google Pink Slime and, and Oprah, and you'll find out all about how Oprah single-handedly seemed to destroy the beef industry for six months or so. <laughs> anyway. Which is that individual's influence. So even yeah. if it's their opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. And that's, and that's an important, I guess, you know, to, to speak in, in comic book terms, you know, Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And uh, I think as, as influencers, as people who are doing media, it is incumbent upon us to think hard about the things we're saying and doing and, and the impact that they will have on other people. Uh, it doesn't mean we shouldn't express a genuinely held opinion, but, you know, we got to decide, there, is it right the, to do so? Right. And the effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on a positive note, um, has there been anyone that has inspired you or that inspires you today, whether it's history or art? You know, I think uh, I, whenever people ask me about my inspiration, I, my first go-to is my father. He was a physician, a, a healer in the true sense of the word. And um, I would say he's where I learned these principles of integrity and morality and uh, discipline, I guess you could say. And uh, he passed away a long time ago, but I hear his voice in my head almost every day, um, hopefully most of the time saying, good job. I'm proud of you. But every once in a while, Hey, what did, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know. So he is sort of my conscience in, in many ways and my mom also, but um, she's still around. So she doesn't get the same kind of credit, I guess. Um, and I'd say there are a few teachers in my life um, um, going back as far as high school, probably not, nobody stands out before high school, but there's a couple of people from high school and a couple of college and law school professors who have really, um, shown me the way, I guess you could say, shine a light on the path and, and led me to become the man I am. And um, so that's, that's the kind of inspiration as far as, you know, in, in the space of art and culture. Um, I think everybody, all the artists, all the creators out there inspire me in one way or another, because it's a, it's an incredibly brave, courageous thing to do to put your heart onto canvas or a film or whatever it is. And I mean, you, you as a podcaster, same thing. I mean, you're, you're putting yourself out there in a way yeah. that, yes, it, it's about humanizing you and making you visible in, in new ways, 
but there's risk associated with it. You could become the next podcaster who gets attacked for one of your views or even guests view. Um, but also, um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a kind of work that's so important. I find that very inspirational. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. I, I think that, um, and let me circle that back to coaching for a moment. One of the mm-hmm. things that happens with coaching work is when the client starts to change, the people around them can like it or they cannot like it. So yeah. I think what you're pointing to for a moment is uh, if I go back to that word of influence, mm-hmm. let's say there's a podcast show as I put my neck on the line, I put myself out there that could influence some young adult and maybe their parent doesn't like it or someone in their world doesn't like it. Absolutely. And then uh, there are those side effects that we may think about, or they could be, uh, you know, blind spots that we could might not even ever consider regarding, yeah, yeah giving someone hope as well as, uh, you know, building an educational library that uh, can obviously influence and strengthen their journey going forward. Yeah. So many people in, in the world, I mean, we all have our vision, we have our dreams, we have our ideas. It's the ones who take the bold step of actually going out and sharing it, finding a way to communicate that. That's what really I find inspirational. And if you think about it, so many people never do. They go through their life, they have their vision, their dream, and they get up and they go to the job and they come home and they drink their beer and they watch TV and they go to bed. And that's their, that's their whole routine without ever taking some extra step to, to get it out there. And so here's to all of the creators, whatever your medium, um, I salute you. Yes. Very good. Very good. So let's talk for a moment about individuals that do find themselves at what I call kind of that slippery slope of life where it is just, you know, they're dog paddling and they're not moving ahead. So Mm -hmm. was there anything that you had to face internally that you're willing to share just even to touch on the surface? You know, it could be internal, external, philosophical. Well, you know, to anybody who looks at me now and sees me doing Facebook and Facebook live and YouTube and, and podcasts and being a guest on things and getting on stages and speaking would never think this is a guy who was a shy kid, but I was, I was a very shy kid. And, uh, I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of, um, uh, low self-esteem, uh, as I came to, uh, even as I was starting in practice of, of law 30 something years ago, I, uh, I just never really believed fully in myself and the way I could operate in the world and the kind of impact I could have until, oh, I mean, it's, it's quite a while back now, but I sort of had the, the crisis of confidence around the time my father passed, actually. And uh, I guess somewhere inside it was okay. You can't just follow him anymore. You've got to become the leader that he was. And, and so maybe that's it. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, we all struggle. We talk about humanizing ourselves and others. I, I had a period where I was very depressed and, uh, you know, fortunately I got some help and got that taken care of. And I can say, I'm, I'm not depressed now. I'm a jolly old man. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I love being able to share. And I, I guess what I've, what I've gotten in touch with is how inspiring it is for me to touch other people and teach and, and help people understand the world we live in from the legal standpoint, the stuff that I'm good at. Yeah. I think it was Tony Robbins who once said that the secret of living is giving. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard that one. Or maybe but we had, to, but yeah, but we have to always get to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes things have that, you know, they crumble before they get rebuilt 
And, and yeah. one of the things about that is, is in order to be a giver, you have to have enough self-esteem to believe that you have something to give Yeah. and, and, and not the imposter syndrome, which is a very common thing, even podcasters, right? When you, you know, do a show every week, there are going to be those days where, well, who's going to listen to me? Why should I be the one talking about this thing, you know, and overcoming that is mostly just about pushing through and trusting, having faith that in yourself and in, in the higher powers, whatever you choose to believe in, uh, leading you in the direction you're meant to go. Yeah. Very good. Very insightful. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing for that moment. Oh, my pleasure. And I absolutely agree that I think that somebody has to be in alignment with their purpose, but maybe if they're watching you and they consider that they too can find something, you know, whether they're in college right now or Mm -hmm. they're wherever they are in their stage of life, that when you share your story, that then it can deposit some hope in their world. You know, it is about perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't mind, I'll share a little I will call it an exercise, I guess you can that that I find really helpful with my coaching clients and students is if you don't already sort of have clarity on what's my purpose, what do I believe in? Why am I here? And I'm not, this is, look, this is not the ultimate answer. It's just an approach is to ask yourself, what do I believe in? What's important to me, but don't stop there. And maybe it helps to have somebody actually ask you the question why? And I call this, someone else coined the phrase, but they called it a seven layer dip. So you keep asking why seven or or more layers deep. Why is that important? Why do you believe that? Why is that important? Why is that, you know, what does that mean for you? And if you spend the real time to really think about this stuff and be vulnerable with yourself and the people around you, I think you can really get in touch with your purpose with your mission, with, with what underlying ultimate value drives everything you do. And that's the beginning of the real journey. Very good. Very good. So if I were to put you on the spot for a moment, (laughs) so you probably know your, your mission and your purpose, and you have touched upon your legacy. Mm -hmm. So why is your legacy important? It's all ego. (laughs) (laughs) you know i believe that we only have this one world that we are in we are all in it together on this journey traveling around the universe and around the sun and if we aren't going to learn to be together in it and get along and take care of our body and i in body i refer to the larger whole the earth the universe everything um we're as a, as a race, as a world, we are destined to not last much longer. As a human race. (laughs) Well, not just, I mean, you know, our planet is, we have a finite resources and finite um, uh, access to the things that we need. So yeah, not just humanity, but all life on our planet, theoretically, uh, could go the way of extinction. And, you know, it's funny, I've, I've never really voiced this myself out loud before, but I really think that, you know, we all have to get along and we have to take care of ourselves and each other. And, um, as a, as a race, we, I think we can do so much, uh, if we let ourselves and squabbles and conflicts and, 
and um, disagreements over sort of stupid stuff in the scheme of things really get in the way of accomplishing amazing things. So yes. let's achieve the amazing. Absolutely. Bravo. Very good. Okay. So what is the hardest part of what you do? The easiest, the most interesting, the most fun? Okay. Well, the hardest thing there, I'm going to give you two hard parts. One is delivering bad news. Sometimes Ooh, yeah. as a lawyer, the client's just wrong <laughs> or, or they, there's just no way for them to succeed with whatever it is. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen too often. My, my view, my role as being a creative one to help find the solutions. Yeah. Are these, are, are these the Dale Carnegie is, moments? <laughs> uh, I guess maybe sometimes the solution is just, Hey, don't do that. Okay. Cause I, I don't, I don't know if you can say to a client, like you are wrong. <laughs> sometimes that's the job and that's the hard part. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, I also, a lawyer who isn't good with confrontation, but that's me. I, I don't enjoy being confrontational. I don't enjoy the arguing so much. I, I enjoy the, the, the banter and the negotiation style of argument. I don't enjoy fighting over things. So maybe that drives my whole vision that we were talking about a minute ago as well. Um, so, so the, the contra, the, confrontation and the bad news are the bad parts, the hardest things that for me. And, and you know, what's interesting is that some attorneys, they love to argue. Oh yeah. No, oh, they live for the confrontation. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I'm blessed. I, I, I discovered early on in my career as a lawyer, I worked for a litigation firm very briefly for a very good litigator yeah. uh, who is a bulldog and, and just not somebody you want to come up against in, in court or a dark alley. And he'd be laughing to hear me say that. Um, but I learned that that just wasn't me. I, I was taking it home with me at night. I just wasn't able to put it aside. And I got to be sort of that burning ulcer in the stomach was the signal. Hey, this isn't right for you. Yeah. So, not a bulldog. I'm a bulldog with when, when you need to be when, when it's my bone that I'm looking to, to hold on to, but I don't, I don't relish the fight at all. No. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, I might be putting my foot in my mouth a bit here, but I've heard, I've heard that, uh, I don't want to say mental illness in the legal profession mm. is, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, we, it's interesting. All of the professions, not just lawyers, but doctors as well, very high suicide rates. Because of the pressure? The pressure and the, um, yeah. And the need to be at our best all the time you know, failure is not an option, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I think there, there's a lot of drug use among lawyers and there's a lot of alcoholism and, uh, and there, there's a high suicide rate. And a lot of lawyers when asked, you know, just a few years into practice, if you had it to do over again, would you go to law school? The answer is no, I'd choose anything. I'd rather dig ditches, but I'm here now is what I do. That's very honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been approached about, would you, uh, coach, attorneys on their legacy and i have not yet approached that market or come mm. close to it because yeah it's this idea of uh i don't know if i want to get into because coaching can be confrontational sometimes if yeah. you're calling the shit out you know you're calling someone's stuff out yeah, yeah. And, and and lawyers <laughs> just coach to coach lawyers will argue their limitations really really well yes yes and they'll yeah. convince you that you're the one who's wrong so yeah <laughs> be careful yeah <laughs> So just another quick question, and then, and then we'll uh, kind of yeah. go to some closing thoughts, and I'm going to ask you again what you'd like your legacy to be. But do, do you think with the drug use and, and so forth, alcoholism, 
do you think that's the escape or do you think that's the the thing that helps them perform at that highest level, even if it's burning the midnight oil for them? Oh, I think it's probably some of each for each different person. It's self-medication in many mm. ways for you. Um, and, you know, uh, as we look at the kinds of people who've used certain drugs over the course of history, and we think about it in terms of self-medication, um, you know, people who are depressed seek certain kinds of things that will help them uh, function better. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. Um, and, and the escape, yeah, I'm certainly people just sometimes enjoy being able to cut loose and feel outside of themselves in some way. And um, yeah, that's. Yeah. Well, I, I think to circle back to something you mentioned before, it's important to know why are you doing the things that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, what are your beliefs and, yeah. and that seven uh, fold? Seven what do you call it? Yeah. 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 To understand, you know, what, what, what were the reasons why you got into this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I think that the more you are in touch with those deeper answers, the foundation, the less you're going to experience the, the emotional upsets and the, call it mental illness or the, the substance abuse or all, or all of these things, even just anger management gets easier when you know why you're here because yeah. you know what to let roll off your back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing about that, which is uh, I was interviewing a gentleman and he had done triathlons and and so forth. And he said, sometimes that, that those extreme sports are the place where the individual can release their anger because they don't have control in other areas of their life and they don't have the tools to know how to get that control. So if I were to echo for a moment again about your, what is it? The seven layer dip. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something that's very simple and basic that anybody can do wherever they are in this world to, peel the onion and do it often. Not, yeah, it's yeah. not just a one and done. You've got to keep coming back to it and asking what's changed. Well, you know, why am I doing this? Is that still true? Uh, that reality check is important and you can do, and, and by the way, you can start the seven layer dip with any behavior yeah. that you have. If, if you have a habit that you want to get rid of, ask yourself, why did I do, why do I do this? Why did I start doing this? What was underlying that? Why do I why was that important at the time? And is it still, you know, um, and, uh, go from, and, you know, as, as, uh, a shrink once said to me, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that seven, the seven layer dip again is, is important because again, is it your beliefs or is it someone else's beliefs that were instilled in you and you're holding tight to those, holding fast to those beliefs because um, you're not ready yet to, you know, pull away and become your own Island independent, which is a a scary as well as a thrilling process, you know, in personal development. But, you know, I think in being true to ourselves in this lifetime, I think all of those growing pains only lead to better places and better mindsets in trusting ourselves more. Yeah. Okay. Very good sense of humor. Okay. Would you tell me one more time what you'd like your legacy to be? And then we'll move to closing thoughts. If I am doing it right, when I am finished on this earth, I will have created or helped. And my wife gets a lot of the credit, but we will have created three extraordinarily kind, good, helpful leader type human beings. And my children, Nate, Lily, and Ben, who are 13, 11, and 8 right now, um, I have high hopes because they're looking good so far. Very good. Very good. And any closing thoughts? Uh, Do you have any uh, websites you'd like to share or 
Well, you know, anybody who's interested in the kind of work that I do and, and hearing more from me for whatever reason can follow me on social media. The, the handle is G Firemark. That's G-F-I-R-E-M-A-R-K. And uh, you can go to firemark.com if you want to find my, my website. Entertainment Law Update is the monthly podcast. Uh, exactly what it sounds like, a review of uh, case law and those kinds of things. And you can also just go to gordonfiremark.com, which is sort of a clearinghouse for most of the stuff that I do. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I just want to highlight before we, uh, I, clo- I read my, uh, my closing thoughts yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that I appreciate the honesty that you've brought to this conversation uh, to, uh, you know, show your humanity, but also to bring the knowledge because again, um, not just uh, with what people need to know when it comes to trademark and copyright and the tools legally that are available to them so that they are protected, but also that you brought that, uh, you know, the seven layer dip so that even, you know, in their journey, uh, as they are a creator or, um, you know, creating their legacy, even in all the different aspects that they can be again, uh, protected and strengthened. And I think that, you know, I see you more as a teacher than an, than an attorney, but obviously because you're teaching in your, your legal role. So it's not that you're, you know, beating someone over the head and arguing with them, but rather empowering and enabling them to, you know, be the best that they can be. And, and thank you for saying that. And, and in reality, I, I view my work as a lawyer uh, very much of the time as teaching my clients how to do the things the right way or what needs to be done because yes, they can hire me to do it for them sometimes, but they won't have to hire me to do it for them if they get it right without, you know, messing up along the way. So um, probably takes money out of my own pocket when I, when I do it that way, but that's okay. I'm, I'm here to help. I want people to achieve their dreams, get their messages out and, uh, and have an impact on the world. And I, you know, if I can be, I've always been behind the scenes guy, and this is no different. I want to just help it happen. And I'll stand by and enjoy your applause. Very good. Okay. So, so in closing, I'm Angelina Carlton, the hostess of the Design Your Legacy podcast, as well as the founder to Legacy Planning, a boutique coaching and advisory firm based out of Beverly Hills, California, but international in those I coach. I hope to dive deep into subjects that can help a person define, develop, and execute their legacy and continue to scour the landscape for those who can be great resources to every dimension of your legacy. For many listeners, there can never be enough education and preparation in their moot around the castle. Whether you find yourself with new wealth or generational wealth, may the content of this channel be an anchor in any storms ahead. We do our best to to provide original content for your intellectual and emotional curiosity. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, I coach people on the subject of personal legacies. I hope you find these podcast interviews entertaining in their education. Thank you so much for joining us today.